I have to wake up early tomorrow. I'm getting my flu shot. You're like the <laughs> only one I know who gets a flu shot. I mean, I really rarely get sick in a year. Still, you're the only one I've ever known who gets a flu shot. Welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And this is Honda. And welcome to episode 66, which I'm very excited about because I reference another episode this in this case that I'm about Uh-oh. to cover. And it's like directly 10, 10 episodes ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, when I, when I get to it, you'll be like, holy guacamole. The way the stars align, it's all linked together. <laughs> just my mind nice. sometimes just amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah. Honda, has anything interesting happened this week? Actually, a lot of things happened this week. No, <laughs> I don't know. We wa- we went to watch the other, the Eternals, the Eternals, <laughs> and we were like. Okay, it's a. Film. But I didn't feel it like happened. this week. I mean, it was this week, right? Yeah. It was. It was Monday. Yeah, that felt. That feels really long ago. Time melts together, but yeah, we went to watch the Eternals. I think it's our second movie this year. Which is crazy to think because usually we go watch movies quite frequently. And mm. then this year we've only watched two together. Mm. Our schedules don't align. Our schedules don't align. And also um, because of COVID restrictions. But beyond that, we were the only ones in the theater. And the two of us were like, yeah, we can chill we can like talk loudly as we want during this movie and then some guy walks in (laughs) he like walks in um right before the movie starts and then we are like okay we i guess you can't chill but then this guy proceeds to sleep through the entire movie (laughs) i don't think it was that boring yeah but it's like the most unsleepable like it's an action movie something's gonna wake you up Precisely, it was so loud, but he slept through it. How did we know he fell asleep, you might ask? Yeah, he was snoring through the film. So that was... I mean, you know what? The seats were comfortable. It was cold. I guess it's like the perfect place to fall asleep. You know? I feel like it's too cold to sleep, though. Like, you end up like really cold. I was shaking throughout (laughs) the movie. Like, it was so, so, so cold. Probably because we're the only two people in there. So, it's like... So, like, there's no body heat from other people. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I'm cold right now. I'm, like, holding on to this cup of tea with both my... Why? I don't know. Why are you cold? Is it not cold? Is the weather not cold? Okay, listen. No, I was, like, freaking warm today. I kind of love... November precisely because it gets kind of chilly. It's 28 degrees. It's cold, okay. <laughs> no, it's not. It's cold. It literally 
you know, on the weather app at the bottom, it says um, feels like something, something, right? Yeah. It literally says feels like 32. Yeah, well, and I'm, it feels like 32. I'm cold and I'll stand by it. But yeah, November weather is so good. Like November, December is when it like rains. Isn't it monsoon season in December? I think it is. is it? Right? I don't know. But yeah, there is a lot of rain. So, I don't know. I'm just going to enjoy this cold weather. Like, I will complain about the cold. But I will complain Which about... Which when do you enjoy cold weather? Okay, so I've come to the realisation, right? <laughs> that I would take cold weather over hot weather any day. Okay. Like, I would rather be shivering than sweating. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like deep in your jacket, just shivering and then... Oh, yes, definitely. But okay, I think also with the change of the weather, it's also sort of a way to welcome in December. And I'm kind of excited for December because Christmas. I really love Christmas. I love, <laughs> I love how Christmas has become such a commercialized holiday. Like, it is an actual religious holiday for me. But it's just so commercialized mm-hmm. that like... I don't care about the going to the church part. I just want the the Christmas lunch, the Christmas dinner, the Christmas presents. And like today we were like deep cleaning the house. So like my family has this tradition where to welcome Christmas in, like even before we set up our Christmas tree, we need to clean the house thoroughly. Like the curtains have to be like taken down, washed, new curtains have to be put up the surrounding areas have to be like swept and vacuumed and everything and only once it's all clean we can put up the christmas tree and then we have to like bring out new bed sheets it has to be new like my mom will buy christmas bed sheets a year in advance and she'll be like these are for christmas can't use them wow i know and there'll be new curtains so New Curtains also bought a year in advance and she'll be like, these are for Christmas. You can't use them any time of the year. And then those will go up like in December awaiting Christmas. And that's the way my mom decides we should all, you know, celebrate the Christmas month, the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Should we have a Christmas dinner? Should we? I feel like we should. Okay. Then again, I, I think it's like kind of terrifying at this juncture to make early plans. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I guess this month, I mean, next month should be still okay for three people. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. With the new variant and everything, it's just... Mm, I'm telling time. But this year has been... Okay, like reflecting on this year, it's been such a roller coaster ride in terms of like safety measures con- constantly being changed. We take one step forward and we go two steps back. And it's just exhausting. So now, whenever people like break COVID rules or whatever, it's not met with a lot of disdain by the public. It's as if everyone just sort of understands. <laughs> Everyone's just exhausted. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. 
Yeah, even when like previously when it was like uh only two people can like go out, mm-hmm. there were like groups that were acting as if they were not in groups, you know. It was yeah. quite obvious. <laughs> so yeah, like not a lot of people didn't care at like this point. I mean there was this um video was it Changi Beach or like East Coast? One of the beaches essentially. There's this group of like a lot of people, like more than 10 people. What was that? There's like a group of like more than 10 people, like just chilling there, having a barbecue at night. And like the video is funny because the safe distancing officers come and you can see the group like break up and everybody started to run. (laughs) (laughs) But then like surprisingly in the comment section, it wasn't like, oh, you know, they should have known better or whatever. It's it was literally people empathizing with them. Because mm. at, at this point, right? Okay, so this is the frustration of most of the people. Everyone's sort of vaccinated. Most people are vaccinated, right? So there shouldn't be an issue of people gathering in larger groups if everyone is vaccinated. Except it is still an issue. So we can't meet in larger groups. Um, contact tracing is redundant now. Because once again, everyone is vaccinated, right? So, mm. but we still have to like check into places. And it's not enforced properly because in some places, it's it's like you, you check into the mall, but you don't have to check into individual shops. So I'm like, what's going on here? I mean, yeah. now, like, even if you get the SMS, the, the, that, um, what is it? Like an alert, right? Yeah. If someone close to you, um, health responding it doesn't say like from which specific location yeah so it could be anywhere anyway, i mean i don't yeah. think at this point and like with this large numbers the government contract fast enough to like say which location exactly. we got it we might have gotten from well that is our reality uh we have to sort of like just go with it at this point i feel like there's no point questioning things anymore because even if you were to question like a billion things you're not going to get the answers you want Mm -hmm. so might as well just be unhappy go with the flow i just really really hope that things open up a little bit more for christmas because christmas is the holiday it is the day everyone in Singapore, regardless of race, language, religion, everyone sort of like still celebrates it. It's like a festive day, everyone gets together. And I'm just like, I hope everyone can do that this year. And then <laughs> today's announcement by like the Prime Minister was like, we might have to take a few steps back. I was like, why? Why? Why can't we just go forward in a time of, of disaster? Why go back? Let's move forward, please. I think they're just waiting for like more data with the. How do you pronounce it? Omicron. Omicron. It sounds like what is she saying? It sounds like a transformer. Transformers. She's right. It sounds like a transformer. I was like, I was thinking it sounds like like a Marvel villain. 
Ultron. Like Age of Omnicron. <laughs> the Age of Omnicron. Let's let's hope it doesn't become a thing. Right. Let's just hope it doesn't become a thing. Anyway, we should jump into the story. Um, this case because um, mm-hmm. it is it is really long, and yes, yay. It took me quite some time to put this together because not only was I referring to like um like news articles and stuff, I was also referring to um the thing the the suspect in this story wrote and I was like when I tell you my brain died several times I'm telling you my brain died several times because my brain is fried reading this guy's um writing and I hope I never come across it ever again okay Mm-hmm. So like I referenced before, this is episode 66 and exactly 10 episodes ago, we did the story of Alec Manassian. TLDR, the incel who... Uh-huh, um, okay. Yeah, the Toronto van attacks, the incel who like drove the white van through the Toronto streets and then murdered a bunch of people. So if you remember mm-hmm. that story, right? Alec Manassian was sort of, he looked up to and also communicated with this one specific dude called Elliot Roger, who is the OG incel domestic terrorist. Anyway, so today's story will be about the 2014 Isla Vista killings, aka the case of Elliot Roger. I read through, I didn't read entirely through, I skimmed through and read some parts of his manifesto, mm-hmm. which is online. You can find his manifesto online. Um, so every time I do mention parts of his manifesto, it's not, I'm going to make fun of him because I guess it's mm-hmm. controversial in the sense where like, you don't want to give this kind of people the attention that they craved. And this mm-hmm. guy really, really, really craved attention. So mm-hmm. whenever I quote stuff from his manifesto, everyone just make fun of him with me. Because, yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right into the story because it is insane. Elliot Oliver Robertson Roger was born on July 24th, 1991 to a British filmmaker, Peter Roger, and a Malaysian-Chinese research assistant, Chin Lee. So, Elliot was born in Lambeth, London, England. Elliot's family line was quite an affluent one, interestingly. So, his father was a filmmaker and his grandfather, George Roger, was actually a photojournalist. Uh, George Roger was well known for photographing the mass deaths of the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp at the end of World War II. So it was a Nazi camp. You can search up the image online. It's it's horrific. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Peter Roger, um, Elliot's father, was known for... Honestly, uh, Wikipedia only had three films under his 
filmography, so I don't know what's going on there. His hmm. first film was called Oh My God, 2009, starring Ringo Starr and Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman, okay. I know, I was... What's going on? Um, In the manifesto, uh, Elliot mentions that the movie bombed and the father lost <laughs> all his money from it, so... um. Oh, shit. I guess that's all you need to know about that film. The second notable film this guy did was he was the assistant director on The Hunger Games. Oh? I know. I was shook. I was like, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So in his manifesto, Elliot would write, Peter is of British descent, hailing from the prestigious Roger family a family that was once part of the wealthy upper classes before they lost all of their fortune during the Great Depression. I know. I know. His writing. I know. Okay, listen. His writing is just, is whack. It's really, really whack. And, okay, I'll quote him a little bit more later on. But, like, this guy really wrote that he was from, like, the prestigious Roger family or whatever, whatever. And then regarding his mother, he wrote, my mother is of Chinese descent. She was born in Malaysia and moved to England at a young age to work as a nurse on several film sets where she became friends with very important individuals in the film industry, including George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. She even dated George Lucas for a short time. Okay, sure. I mean, you go girl. You, you, you're like out here dating George Lucas and everything. And he also mentions later in his um, manifesto that his mother actually stayed friends with George Lucas and stuff. So, you know what? Good for her. Hmm. Uh, according to Roger, his parents had not planned for his pregnancy. So his mother had actually been on birth control and then she suddenly fell very ill and the medicines that was um, prescribed to her apparently counteracted the birth controls. She got pregnant and then he was born. Mm-hmm. When Roger was seven, his parents split up. Eventually, his father would date and marry a Moroccan actress named Saumia Akabone. Akabun? Okay, I'm just going to go with Samia Akabune. I'm so sorry for butchering mm-hmm. her name. Uh, Roger wrote, Because of my father's acquisition of a new girlfriend, my little mind got the impression that my father was a man that women found attractive, as he was able to find a new girlfriend in such a short period of time from divorcing my mother. I subconsciously held him in higher regard because of this. It is very interesting how this phenomenon works. That males who can easily find female mates garner more respect from their fellow men, even children. How how ironic is it that my father, one of those men who could easily find a girlfriend, has a son who would struggle all his life to find a girlfriend. Page 11. Acquisition, okay. Not just not just acquisition of girlfriend. It's also the whole thing about um, males who can find female mates garner more respect from their fellow men. Uh, what is happening here? 
What world is he living in? It really reminds me of Alec Minassian, you know, when he was saying that uh, he wanted to, like, convert the the people from life status to, like, honor life status or whatever. It's just very... It, it tells you very clearly that this person is very delusional. Yeah. And he's, he's like, has a victim mindset. Okay. Hold that thought about the victim mindset. Because <laughs> as I go through the story, you will realize that this guy's issue really, really stems from himself. It's He makes it about the people around him and society. Like he will, I mean, spoilers, mm. but he will constantly say that the world is like brutal and the world is the one that is like a terrible place to live in. But it's really him. Mm-hmm. It's not just the world. Yeah. Um, okay, so when I was reading the manifesto, he really, really does talk about his life. It's it's just boring. Nothing really interesting happens. But he, he talks about, at one point, he talks about wanting to be cool. Like he wanted to be a cool kid. Like he had like blonde hair and whatnot. But then at the same time, he also talks about, he talks down on other cool kids mm-hmm. so he sort of even um admonishes them for having other interests like beyond being cool kids what does that mean it's 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 very complex but just for <laughs> you to know that he wanted to not be like other kids he wanted to be special so he really, really tried to fit in with the cool kids. And when they accepted him, he was like, oh my God, I'm one of the cool kids. But then he was also shocked to find out that cool kids have lives beyond being cool kids. What does he divide as cool kids as? I'm telling you, he's <laughs> very interesting. Um, Roger had seen several therapists since he was young so ever since he was about eight he's been seeing therapists but was never diagnosed with a mental illness um but in 2007 he was finally diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified which is an autism spectrum disorder once again and this is the same thing that we discussed with Alec Manassian but Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is the way he is because of his own ideology. It has nothing to do with his autism spectrum disorder. Yeah, He's a shitty person because he's a shitty person. <laughs> Roger was bullied in ninth grade, even having... Allegedly, he even had his head taped to a desk when he was asleep. Um, honestly, at this part, I just skimmed through because he was talking about World of Warcraft a lot. Okay. And that being said, um, he became very obsessed with the game. So he would even go on to say, I became very addicted to the game and my character in it. It was all I cared about. And he was so um, addicted to it to the point where he didn't care about the world around him. He just wanted to immerse himself in World of Warcraft and that was it. And he would describe himself as like the quiet kid in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
interestingly, he also said that he started to act weird and do annoying things for attention. Mm-hmm. He didn't care that others called him weird because he, once again, only cared about being immersed in this online game of his. The only time he actually cared what people thought of him was when a bunch of 7th grade girls started to make fun of him. So one of them, a pretty blonde, apparently thought of him as the ultimate loser. So this was a pivotal point in Elliot's life because he he began to hate this girl. So this girl in the in the manifesto, her name is Redacted. Um, but he said that he started to hate her to the point where he was constantly always like thinking about her. And mm-hmm. this was how he began to hate all girls, seeing them as mean, cruel, and heartless creatures that took pleasure from his suffering. Sure. He continued to have a difficult time in middle school, being constantly bullied by his peers, but he also continued to act weird. This is what he says. Mm -hmm. He calls it weird for attention. Not only that, but he developed a crush on the very girl he claimed to despise. And while this was, this would be a cute premise for a YA novel, it's just (laughs) horrifying in this context. According to his manifesto, his high school years were spent being lonely and isolated from everyone else. He still played a lot of World of Warcraft. Um, He felt emasculated and powerless against the brutality of humanity. When Roger was 17, he came across a post about teenagers having sex and was once again reminded of the life he had been denied. He felt that he was undesirable to other girls and began to hate them for not wanting to have sex with him. He even hated all those who had sex um, and considered them to be the enemy. So if you have a sex life, you you are Elliot's enemy immediately. Elliot began to fantasize about being more powerful and stopping everyone from having sex, like having sex entirely and believed that sex should be outlawed as it would make the world right. So I'm just going to read this portion for you. Um, after I'm done, just, just let it marinate, let it digest, and then you can like throw it up, you know. I spent more time studying the world, seeing the world for the horrible, unfair place it is. I then had the revelation that just because I was condemned to suffer a life of loneliness and rejection, doesn't mean I am insignificant. I have an exceptionally high level of intelligence. I see the world differently from anyone else. Because of all the injustices I went, I went through and the worldview I developed because of them, I must be dist- destined for greatness. I must be destined to change the world, to shape it into an image that suits me. And I just need to know that he ends his paragraph with an exclamation mark. (laughs) Like, once again, like, he centers the world around him. He's the main character. He's the main character. He has the exceptionally high level of intelligence. Nobody else is as smart as him. He he can't do something. Everyone else (laughs) can't. I just realized that he, he thinks of himself as, like, you know, a protagonist in the story, but he also, like, 
situates himself as like the the chosen one. Yeah. Like he has to bring right to the world, you know. He's he's been chosen for this task to bear the unbearable weight of I guess not being able to have the unbearable weight of having to be a virgin into his 20s. After turning 18, uh, Roger began to reject mental health care and became more and more isolated from the people around him. He would also condemn his friends for trying to fit into the cool crowd and became increasingly jealous of them. Though acquaintances would later come forward to say that he was the one who rejected attempts at friendship. A family friend, Dale Lorna, even attempted to counsel Elliot on how to approach women, but he didn't follow the advice. So, um, I'm not going to jump ahead to when he was about 19 to 22 years old. So, his manifesto is broken up into four four parts, I believe, and then each part is a certain, like, age. Mm. Um like a span of time, like 19 to 22 or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, in college, he would spend a lot of money on designer clothes with money he got from his mother. He became obsessed with the way he looked. And at this point, he was studying at Santa Barbara City College. Um, his biggest fear was that he might be a virgin forever and that he would <laughs> rather die than live as a virgin. Mm-hmm. In one incident, he found out that a 16-year-old family friend had got a girlfriend. Okay, At this point, Elliot was 20 and he didn't have one, but the 16-year-old did. He felt inferior and pathetic that he was unable to have a girlfriend at 20. So he, he wrote this on him. He went to the bathroom and he vented about how much he hated the 16-year-old. Oh, God. Yeah. Roger also had a friend named Spencer who he described as short and chubby. And Roger was shocked to find out that Spencer had a girlfriend. But he also said that he was relieved because she wasn't attractive. Okay, asshole. (laughs) He did feel enraged saying that... um, Spencer seemed smug that he had a girlfriend and that he was better than Elliot. I honestly reading this part, it just felt like Elliot was creating this scenario in his mind that he this, probably was. Yeah, the, the short and chubby, clearly unattractive dude had a girlfriend and he was like gloating because, you know, Elliot, uh, I mean, Roger was the handsome, good looking guy and yet he didn't get a girlfriend. Um, to this, Roger actually confronted Spencer saying that he should not feel proud about the ugly whore in his room. Which obviously offended the other party. Mm -hmm. And Roger claimed that he wanted Spencer to feel offended because, because of his insolence, essentially. In the beginning of his spring semester, Roger donned his, I quote, fabulous Armani exchange shirt and put on his new Gucci sunglasses because he wanted everyone to look at him. He was hopeful 
that girls in particular would look at him and admire him. Everyone, be prepared for this next part, okay? Yes, I thought. I am the image of beauty and supremacy. <laughs> Actually, no, wait, let me read it out the way he wrote it. Yes, I thought. I am the image of beauty and supremacy because he misspelled and. So as we've seen so far, um, Roger's incredibly delusional. So, but he walked by a group of girls. He he actually imagined them sort of like adoring him because he was meant to be adored. Um, eventually, he would also begin to act out violently against people he hated. So in one incident, he threw his Starbucks latte um, at a group of girls who didn't smile back at him. What the hell? Yeah. Psycho. Um, <sighs> okay. Here's another paragraph. I just, it's just, okay. It was only when I first moved to Santa Barbara that I started considering the possibility of having to carry out a violent act of revenge as the final solution to dealing with all of the injustices I've had to face at the hands of women in society. I came up with a name for this after I saw all of the good-looking couples walking around um, walking around by my college and in the town of Isla Vista. I named it the Day of Retribution. It will be a day in which I exact my ultimate retribution and revenge on all of the hedonistic scum who enjoyed lives of pleasure that uh, lives of pleasure they don't deserve. If I can't have it all, if I can't have it, I will destroy it. I will destroy all women because I can never have them. I will make them all suffer for rejecting me. Think delusional, superficial, <laughs> main character syndrome. For real, main character syndrome. Um, okay, but the next part of his manifesto, there's this part is, I, it's just hilarious. I'm just going to tell you what it is, okay? So... I remember how he said his father was the ex- assistant director on the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, well, Roger got to go to the premiere and then to the after party. And that's where he would see all these, I mean, like, imagine the after party. It's full of these attractive actors, right? Attractive people. Mm-hmm. There's probably, like, supermodels and stuff over there. So he's seeing all these things, right? And he became very, very jealous of these people. And at this party, he also met like an old friend and he was like, okay, yeah, um, this friend is attractive. He like clearly belongs in this circle. And he he didn't feel like he belonged there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Roger actually believed that being an actor was like one of the highest honors because they were attractive. So because they were attractive, obviously women wanted them. And the funny part was actually this, okay? I had a particular burning hatred for actor Alexander Ludwig, who I saw sitting arrogantly on a couch as people crowded around him in adoration. I hated everything about him. His golden blonde hair, his tall muscular frame, his cocky masculine face. That boy could get any girl he wanted. Now, to people. Alexander Ludwig plays Cato in The Hunger Games. His name sounds familiar, but like the face doesn't come up. That's him. 
Did he die very fast or something? Um, no, he's. I think he was one of the last people to die. Is it? No, oh, it's been a he's while. He's on like District Two, so he's he's trained for the Hunger Games all his life, and he's meant to be like extremely ruthless or whatnot. I think he died <sighs> because the mutts kill him. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so. Rogers looks at this guy and he's like, I hate you. You're blonde. You're beautiful. You're muscular. And you get all the girls. Didn't but also, you want it's, to be it's, him? it's just so funny because Alexander Ludwig probably did not even know about Elliot Roger and probably didn't even care about him. He's just there in the af- like at the after party for his movie. Chilling, having drinks, hanging out with like attractive people, and that was it. Mm. And then you have like Elliot Roger in a corner, seething with anger and hatred. The emo teenager. For real. Um, in 2012, he used a super soaker, which is like a water gun, filled it with orange juice, and sprayed at a group playing kickball in Gersh Park. The group, according to Roger, looked like a typical fraternity, like they looked like typical fraternity jocks, tall and muscular. There were some girls with them, and these girls were doing handstands and looking attractive and whatnot. And he hated all of this because he felt he felt like they were mocking him. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because he he thought that. Essentially, these people were, like, cupping up and they had, like, a better life than he had, right? So, they were mocking him because of that. So, he drove mm-hmm. to, like, um, the nearest Kmart, bought the water gun, filled it with orange juice and sprayed at them. But he also freaked out that somebody might catch him, so he, like, sped off. So, that tells you everything you need to know about this guy. Mm-hmm. But the, the troubling thing about this incident was his inner thoughts because he thought they deserve to die horrible, painful deaths just for the crime of enjoying a better life than me. Mm. Um, he also st- he also ha- had this strange fixation later on. So he began to buy lottery tickets in the vain attempt to make mega millions but would fail every time. So he never really won. Um, his dream of becoming wealthy at a young age waned. He had this idea of being rich at a young age with a beautiful blonde girlfriend because he thought girls only liked wealth. So if he was wealthy, girls would be attracted to him. Mm-hmm. In the spring of 2013, he began to seriously think about the day of retribution. He owned a $700 Glock 34 and was planning to buy a 6-hour P226, which is worth $1,100. He would also begin visiting a shooting range to practice. He also came to the conclusion that women were flawed. So this is what he said. There's something mentally wrong with the way their brains are wired, as if they haven't evolved from animal-like thinking. Thank you so much, Elliot Roger. They are incapable of reason or thinking rationally. They are like animals, completely controlled by their primal, depraved emotions and impulses. That is why they are attracted to barbaric, wild, beast-like men. They are beasts themselves, 
beasts should not be able to have any rights in a civilized society. And then he goes on to say, women should not have the right to choose who to mate with. That choice should be made for them by civilized men of intelligence. So he thinks he's the civilized man. Yep. You remember, I like Munasem essentially saying, the supreme gentleman. Essentially, <sighs> Elliot Roger frames himself as the supreme gentleman. You know, he 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 makes YouTube videos. Uh, he made he made a bunch of YouTube videos, and I think one of the videos he literally says like he, you know he's this attractive guy, he's such a gentleman. Like, why do women go for all these like brutish other men? Why not him? I mean, what's wrong with them going after? what he thinks is douchebags. <laughs> I think it goes back to, you know, that whole thing about the the nice guys finish last kind of toxic mentality. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a nice guy. Let people choose who they want to date. Not everything's to... about you. Like, them going after those kind of guys is also like, not it's not it's not saying anything about you, right? Like, you don't have to, you don't have to take it so personally. Also, I think it's frightening if you were I don't think any good person outwardly tells other people I'm a good person. If I were to come up to you and say, hi, I'm a good person, it's a red flag right there. Many red flags. Yeah, because you shouldn't be saying you're a nice guy or a gentleman or like a good person. You should be showing it. When you when you tell mm-hmm. somebody that, it's almost as if you're trying to convince them and convince yourself that you are that person. So it's like I'm a, a nice guy. <laughs> precisely. Um, he also came across a forum called puahate.com, which was basically a forum full of like-minded individuals like him. So people who were unable to find partners, um, aren't having sex, that kind of thing. And being on this forum essentially just confirmed his theories about women being degenerates and revealed how bleak and cruel the world really was. Okay. Eventually, he came to the conclusion that the day of retribution would occur in Isla Vista. Roger's final trigger was an incident on... Um, is it <clears throat> Elliot's... Elliot's... Roger's final trigger was an incident that would occur on July 20th, 2013, where he went to a party in the hopes to do everything in his power to lose his virginity. Okay. Um, he wandered in by himself and he also makes mention that everyone in there were in their friend groups and he was just like by himself. Um, mm-hmm. he, he came in, he went there by himself, he grabbed a bunch of beers uh, but he was confused because nobody was paying him any attention, especially the girls. Mind mm. you, this is a party. Also, he says it's a party of a, like of like a hundred people. No one is going to see you or notice you. He saw that the girls were talking to guys who seemed like obnoxious slobs. Um, he even saw a white girl talking to an Asian guy and this really, really, really pissed him off. He thought that white girls thought less of him because he was part Asian. 
and this enraged him because at this party, there was this white girl who was talking to a full-blooded Asian person. These are terminologies he uses. Um, it's not me. Full-blooded. <laughs> I know. I was like, what kind of Harry Potter shit is this? Um, his dream of a of a white blonde girl giving him attention was essentially tarnished, and he would go on to say, "How could an ugly Asian attract the attention of a white girl?" while a beautiful Eurasian like myself never had any attention from them. Maybe it's that kind of thinking that puts people off. Precisely. I just... Um, How are you a nice guy if you're so like misogynistic, racist? <laughs> I know, right? My God, wake up. <laughs> Eventually, Rogers went outside. Um, He was very, very, very drunk to the point where he was like, he needed help and people were trying to help him but he was like nope I don't want your help mm-hmm. um, he went outside and he once again was very very upset that nobody was giving him any attention so he began to hurl insults at the people around him interestingly everyone else just insulted him back and that was it <laughs> okay. at this point Roger claims that a violent rage took over him and he started to push people, particularly women, off a mm-hmm. 10-foot-tall ledge. He failed, obviously. Um, and instead of him pushing people, people started to push him. So instead of getting women to fall off the ledge, he fell off instead. Uh, okay. And this resulted in him uh, with an injured ankle. I think his ankle shattered. And his Gucci sunglasses got stolen. Mm-hmm. Some of the party goers began to beat him up, and Rogers said that this was the first time he was ever physically beaten. Um, he would later on he, later on he would need his ankle to be surgically screwed in, but this wasn't what really hurt him. What hurt Elliot Rogers was the humiliation he faced when he apparently gave people a chance to accept him. So he went to the party to give a chance to the people to accept him. But instead, they beat him. (laughs) Well, his generosity knows no bounds. Right? So this this was really the final nail. Straw. Yeah, the final straw for him. And he began to plan what he wanted to do. So he sort of talks about this in his manifesto. So in the first phase, um, he would silently kill as many people in Isla Vista by luring them into his house. But first he would have to kill his housemates so that the house would be empty. After which he would lure people in and um, I think he calls it his torture chamber as well. But he would lure people in, knock them out with a hammer, and then slit their throats. And if they were good looking, he would torture them first. (laughs) The second phase would be the day of retribution itself. So this would be his war on women. He intended to attack the hottest sorority in um, his college, which is called Alpha Phi, Alpha Phi Sorority. 
So he knew where the sorority house was because he stalked it before. So the plan was that he would sneak into their house at 9pm, kill them with guns and knives, and then if time permits, he would set the house on fire. So that would literally mm. become the hottest sorority. He wrote that down in his manifesto. I'm not trying to crack a joke here. I'm just holy guacamole. <laughs> the final phase um, on his day of his day of retribution would be the ultimate showdown. So this would be when he would kill his little brother. So he had a younger brother named Jazz. Um, and then he would also kill his stepmother. After which he would drive a van through the streets, killing as many people as possible. Once reaching uh. Del Player Street, he would dump a bag filled with severed heads, the, essentially the severed heads of his previous victims. Then he would open fire on the streets, um, targeting attractive people and couples particularly. After all this, he would finally kill himself. So the week leading mm-hmm. up to the Day of Retribution, Roger would upload a bunch of videos on YouTube. To summarize the content of the videos, it's just everything in his manifesto. His ideology, asking why girls weren't attracted to him, him saying that he's a beautiful, gorgeous human being, and whatnot. And then finally, on May 23rd, 2014, he would unleash hell. So he started his attacks at his apartment, killing three men by stabbing them, two of which were his uh, housemates. He would stab and kill them as they entered the apartment. So like blood pattern would show that essentially as they entered, he would, you know, kill them. After which he cleaned himself up and then he left the house. He went to buy coffee and then at 9.17pm uploaded a video titled Retribution onto YouTube. And then he emailed his 107,000 word manifesto titled My Twisted World, The Story of Elliot Roger to 34 People. These 34 people included his parents and his therapist. His therapist, after receiving the video, grew concerned and contacted his mother, who then contacted his father. And both of them were Mm -hmm. like, oh God. And they left LA for Santa Barbara while calling the police to inform them. Mm -hmm. Roger then drove to the Alpha Phi sorority house and knocked on the front door before openly firing Two women were shot and killed while a third was injured. He then began to drive um, again, shooting at an unoccupied coffee shop on Pardell Road and then into the Delicatessen, where a man was struck seven times and killed. He then drove south to Embracadero del Norte on the wrong side of the street. He hit a pedestrian and opened fire at two people but missed them. He fired at a couple exiting a pizza, pizzeria. Pizza. <laughs> pizzeria? Pizzeria! Okay. <laughs> Holy guacamole. Not English today. Okay. He fired at a couple exiting a pizzeria. <laughs> Am I saying it right? Pizzeria. 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 Okay. He fired a couple exiting a pizzeria and a female cyclist. Then drove south on El Embarcadero and shot at a woman but missed. Finally turned east on Del Player Drive, made a U-turn west and exchanged fire with the sheriff's deputy and shot two pedestrians. 
He shot and wounded three more people on Subado Tard Street and hit a skateboarder with his car before shooting two more men. At this point, he was being pursued by officers. At 9.35 p.m., officers would finally find him inside his car, um, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head. Inside the car, they will find three pistols, knives, six empty 10-round magazines, and 547 rounds of unspent ammunition. Yeah. So um, here are the names of some of, the, of his victims. So George Chen, Chen Yuan James Hong, Weihan David Wang, Catherine Brienne Cooper, Christopher Ross Michaels Martinez, and Veronica Elizabeth Weiss. 14 others were injured, seven from gunshot wounds and seven from blunt trauma from being hit by Elliot's um, car. This case brought about debates once again on gun control laws and also sparked discussions about violence against women. Um, there's also controversy about the publication of Elliot Rogers' um, YouTube videos particularly the retribution one, because even though YouTube took it down, mm-hmm. new sites managed to get a hold of it. So there was a mm. lot of controversy about, you know, the circulation of it, as well as yeah. um, his manifesto, which I was able to find pretty easily. I was able to read his 141-page manifesto. Will I ever get fun. the time back? No. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, this um, controversy and the fear of like circulating the video and the manifesto was really, really to prevent any copycats from happening. Mm. Unfortunately, Alec Manassian committed the Toronto uh, van attacks, you know. So the thing is, even if you don't circulate the manifesto um, or the video, like we mentioned in the Alec Manassian episode, Incels just exist everywhere. They may not have forums dedicated to them anymore or like subreddits that are just for it, but they exist everywhere in comment sections. They have dispersed, but they are there. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's other like shady sites that they congregate on. Precisely, we haven't even um, considered like the dark web. Yeah. So. In pop culture... Law and Order SVU had an episode called Holden's Manifesto and Elliot mm-hmm. Roger was referenced in Criminal Minds' Alpha Male. Oh, this sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. So this is the case of the Isla Vista Massacre. Nice. Thank you. I will never get the, the hours back where I spent reading his manifesto. Okay, the thing is, right, um, reading the manifesto, I laughed because I was laughing at him and his, like, obvious misogyny and the way, you know, as we said, main character syndrome. But it's just, realistically, we can sit here and we can laugh about it, but it's, it's also really not funny. It's terrifying. Yeah. Coming across a manifesto like this where he he just openly talks about his disdain for women and how women are degenerates because they go for like a certain type of guy. And it's just terrifying because until today, even if you're not an incel, a lot of men 
have these thoughts yeah you know like why should women go for like a certain type of guy the, the not so good guys and there's why like no self-rejection <laughs> yeah precisely just just let women choose man like no one asked for your opinion precisely and also like you know the dehumanizing language like acquisition mating he literally said that women should not be given the choice to choose who they want to mate with like news for people out there like women are already not given the choice for many many things there's so many mandates on like women's bodies by men who have no business you know putting laws restricting what women can or cannot do with their bodies Mm, but now they're the nice guys yeah but no the nice guys they're looking out for greater humanity they are the what what did he say highly intelligent <laughs> it's, it's just insane yeah i don't think it's like worth it to try and understand <laughs> yeah you know you're right it's not worth Wait, to understand yeah. this kind of people i'm not even going to attempt to want to do you know, see the good side in this guy. He's he's scum. Mm, yes. You know. And you know, I'm glad that the world has one less Elliot Roger, one less Alec Manassian. There's so many lurking around. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that's the start of the I Love Is The Massacre. Yeah, thank you for the story. No, you're welcome. Now I need to lubricate my throat because I read so much and I felt... Lubricate? If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at HGU Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week. Bye! Bye!